Hello. Okay, good morning everyone. So I'm not going to start off with a nice message to tell you Happy New Year and all those things. I will leave it to Francois later for the announcement. So we can head, dig in and start with the service this morning. You can get Romans chapter 8 and Ephesians chapter 4. Romans 8, Ephesians 4. Romans 8 and Ephesians chapter 4. Now, before we're going to read some verses, let us just bow our heads and pray before we start. Father, thank you again that we can be here this morning to open your word, Lord, and please help us now through this hour or so, Lord, that we stay focused, Lord, and may we learn something new, Lord, and please be with me that I say the words that you want me to say, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now in, in Ephesians chapter, you can keep Romans 8 if you want to. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Ephesians 4, verse 13. It says, So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, if you take these two verses, and there are some others as well, and I think you've heard this before, we should conform to the image of Christ. Now, I've sat down and think, now, what does that actually mean? What, what does it mean to conform to the image of Christ? Now, some people will say, you should love more, because then th- that's Christ. If you have more love, then you conform to the image of Christ. Or have more kindness, and then, okay, then, then you conform to the image of Christ. Now, you can say all these things, But there's one thing that stands out, and we will get to that now. But now we want to conform to the image of Christ. Now, this might ring a bell. Genesis, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And I think you all know what this verse says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Well, if we're made after God's image, then aren't we already... The image, aren't we already to the image of Christ? You understand what I mean? So we've, we've been created in the image of God, so that means we don't have to conform to the image of Christ because God and Christ is one, so then it's all done. But that's not the case because if we go to Genesis chapter 5, we will see what happens now. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived an hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. So, it was in the beginning created like that, but then sin came in, and Adam and Eve became sinners, and then their sinful nature were passed on. So actually, we are created after Adam's image, as we've seen here, and then so forth. As the generations go on, they created after Seth. So it is still the, um, the image of Adam. So now we can go to Romans chapter 5. Now we're going to page just a little bit just to get the groundwork. So Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 verse 12. It says, 
Wherefore, by, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, now we're going to look at what is your image now. So your image is sin. If you get what I, if you followed along. So we should conform to the image of Christ. But if you go back, we were created in the beginning. It was supposed to be like that. But then sin entered in. So through Adam, sin came in. And now death upon all, for all have sinned. So your image is sin. Now this is a topic I'm going to speak about. And if you, if you know um, Psalm 51, it says, Behold, I was um, shaping in iniquity, and sin did my mother, in sin did my mother conceive me. So we are all sinners, and we all have that image of sin in us because we all want to sin and that is why christ came down but to sin means to miss the mark and then from the bible we get it's the transgression of the law i think you all know that but it also says to rebel against god in deuteronomy 9 and joshua chapter 1 so now what um to what should our to should to what should we conform now as i mentioned in the beginning we think christ maybe is love or kindness but if you take the whole picture in a whole the image of christ is sinless if you take that in all, that is Christ. Because if you're sinless, then you have all these, um, all these other characteristics. Then you will have love. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Because then you don't transgress the law. So if you don't transgress the law, then you're sinless. But then you will, then you will follow all these characteristics of Jesus. Because that is, in essence, that is what he was. He was sinless and that, he, that is why he was able to do all these things. And why he was the greatest man that walked on this earth. Because he was sinless. And because of that, you all know, that is why he could die for us. Now, but just to look at a few verses to see that he is sinless, but just to get to the heading or the topic of this, well, the title of the sermon, it is Proverbs 4 verse 15. That is my title. And if you know what it is, it says, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. And that is referring to sin now in this, in this whole sermon. So that is what you should supposed to do with sin. And we will, as we go through this sermon, you will see what um, it has for you to learn from this. But just to look at a few verses to see that Christ was really sinless. You can go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So there we see Christ is without sin. And then you can get 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But in 1 John, verse, um, 3 to 3, 1 John 3 verse 5, it says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So there again we see that there is no sin in him. But Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, this is quite an amazing verse. To know that the thing that God hates the most is sin. And his son became that. He let his son became that, become that for you. So you might think, well, your sin is not that bad. But think again. It was so powerful that it killed the creator. 
That is how powerful sin is. You might think, well, one lie here is okay. But remember, that lie still killed Jesus. Because it says in Revelation that if you make one lie, you cannot enter into heaven. So that means even one lie is punishable for hell. But that one lie put Jesus on the cross and he killed him. That is how powerful one little white lie is. So we might think, no, but this is just small sin. These other people, they're doing big sins. They need to get saved. And I'm already saved. And these little sins are not that bad. See, and that is not how we should think. You might think, no, you're strong. But I promise you, sin is stronger. If it killed Jesus, how much worse will it do to you? How much more will it do to you if you keep on sinning? And maybe think of this. Every sin you commit now, still now, not, not that you've already committed, but still going forth now, it's another drop of Jesus' blood. Because that blood washes you clean. So there's just another drop of blood. And I think you all know if you have kids or friends or even while well, you, even for yourself, if you get hurt and you started bleeding, you want to stop that blood. Because that's, some people pass out from the blood and you don't want your child to keep on bleeding. But now think of this, your Creator, every time you sin, it's just another drop of blood, another drop of blood. So maybe this will help you to think again when you, you know, just this one little lie, that one little lie is another, blood, um, another drop of blood because it needs to wash you clean. Now, everything, to think about this again, we know the whole story about Jesus Christ where he went through from the day he got um, betrayed by Judas and then he was caught and then he was beaten and the, the crown of thorns and no food and all those things and leading up to the cross, carrying his own cross to, to Calvary and then on that cross and then to hell. Think about everything that happened to him. We might think, wow, that's amazing. But let's, let's think it out from our side. It's everything we do. I don't want to say you because I also sin. Everything that happened to Jesus is because of us. It's not, well, okay, he loved us so much, he will go through, a, um, go through that for us. But he had to go through that because of us. So think again, when you sin again, Everything happened to Jesus because of that sin. And that is why He um, needed to come down to this earth to die for us. Because sin is so strong, you won't defeat it. But this morning I want to point you to, well, if you're not saved, that sin will drag you down to hell and there's nothing you can do except go to, the foot, go to Jesus and accept Him as your Savior. But if you are saved, we still sin. But this morning I want to, well, it's... It just happened like this, that this sermon is now the first sermon you hear in the new year. Well, if you, I don't do this new year, what, revolutions, revelations, I don't know what you call it. That is why I don't do it, because I can't even, I don't know what it even is. I don't do it, but maybe you can take this to think of all these little sins to get it, get, it, get away from that. And as we go on, you will see um, what's the point of this. But now we, we know about Jesus, he saved us. Now the problem is, well, what I think, and you can back me up with this if I'm wrong, you can tell me afterward, but what we do before we got saved, um, someone come and present the gospel to you, or when you sit in church, you maybe hear it for a few weeks, then sin becomes real to you, and think, well, this is a real problem, and you become very serious of the sin, okay, sin is a big problem, and now, okay, I have to do something about the sin, and it's, it's really um, serious for you, but then after you sin, is it really that serious for you still? Because sometimes we think, okay, now it's a big problem. We need to get saved from the sin. But when we are saved, after that it's kind of, okay, now I have to go to church and read my Bible and pray. 
But we should actually still think about that sin. You can't just sin, okay, now Jesus washed me clean, and so, whew, that was a close one, and just forget about those sins. You still need to um, put attention to it. You can't just think, okay, I'm going to read my Bible, now I'm going to pray, and this sin is going to just fade away. It doesn't work like that. And I will show you now um, about that as well. But just to show you that a, a saved person should also stop sinning. Because some people, they think, well, now I'm saved. Now it's a free ticket. So now I can just do what I want. Let us just quickly turn to Romans chapter 6. Well, if you read this whole chapter, you can do that when you're at home. This whole chapter explains this about sinning and after you're saved and don't let it. But we will read a few verses. But this whole chapter is quite... This whole Romans 6 is an impressive one. And I think you all know how it ends, the last verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But let us quickly read, read verse 1 and 2. And this is the question I've just um, asked. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So there you can see that if you are saved, we should not live any longer therein because we are dead to it. And I think if you have been through um, basic discipleship, Pastor Mike has this illustration where he says the flesh will come up and try to talk to you while it's dead, but you have to tell that flesh, you're dead. You can't even speak to me, so I'm not going to follow you. But we will get to that now. So verse 6 and 7, Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, just to get a little bit more of this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So I want you to think about that. We are dead to sin. We can go, get away with that. You, you can get rid of it completely out of your life. We should not follow it anymore. Because some of us, we, we think, okay, well, this is not that bad. I'm going to hold a little bit onto this. You know? No one is seeing it. So it's not that bad. I'm not doing um, damage to anything. But again, we will get to that as well. Now, just verse 12, this is a very great one. And verse 12, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. That is why Jesus also said, um, Deny yourself daily, take up the cross, and that will crucify the flesh. And that is that sin doesn't reign in your mortal bodies. And I think you've heard this many times in this church that you should, when you get up every morning, you should crucify the flesh and pick that cross up. And we have to do that daily because sin wants to reign in your body. And you have now the decision. After you got saved, sin got um, removed from the throne of your heart. Now you have the decision. Do you want to put Jesus on it or do you want to put sin back on it again? You have the decision every day. And now what are you, what are you going to decide? So don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Now, I want to get to, you can turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now while you're turning there, I just want to um, tell you that in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 18, it says, Wisdom is better um, than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. And I think, well, if we read 1 Corinthians 8, you will get what I'm getting at, but one sinner can destroy so many good things. And I think maybe you have experienced it in your life. There's one sinner just doing that one thing wrong, and it can destroy much good. And I think because it was now holiday season, I mean, there were maybe one drunk guy on the road and it killed maybe a whole innocent family. I haven't read the news. Maybe that happened. And I think, I don't think, I can maybe just say that and it will be correct. 
And that is because one sinner destroyed much good. A whole family that maybe served Christ fully and because of that one sinner destroyed much good. But now I want to flip it to you who are saved. You can still commit sin. You can also destroy much good. And you can have a testimony. And if you do one sin, you can destroy that and other people can't get saved. Now I'll quickly tell you about this before we read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And it will actually back up my story. Now there, were, there was a guy when I came into um, Chemis, I was in matric there. And there was this guy, they always came to me and said, Hey, you want to come out and have a drink with us or have a smoke with us? And I always said, No, I don't do that. And they said, No, that's, that can't be possible. I said, I promise you, I don't do that. They said, No, just wait until you're thirsty. And I said, Well, you, we, can, we can see, but I'm not going to do that. I've already made the decision. I'll never drink. I'll never smoke. I'm not going to do that. And they said, No, that won't last. That won't last. I said, Okay. So first year came. I've never done that. Third, second year. And in my third year, I met this guy again. And at randomly, I don't know how I got there, but... I think it was Jesus that put me on that way. But I was at a bri on a farm way outside of Bosch. I don't know how I got there that night. I wasn't drunk. That, that's not what I mean. That I don't know. But I don't know how the roots came. And I was in a car with my friend. And he said, no, let's go bri with this guy. And here was this guy. So suddenly he just mentioned something about church. And he met this girl. And he wanted to go to church. And he wanted to know about that. And I told him, no, you should come to ours. And as we kept on talking, he asked me, now, have you ever drink before again? Or have you, have you started drinking? I said, no, I'm, I'm still clean. I don't want to do that. I don't want to even go to a club or anything. And because of that, he got saved a week later. Because he saw, well, that is actually real. That testimony was real. And he stayed away from even this small sin. I mean, I could have just gone into them with a bar, into a club or something. I don't have to drink. I can just go into a club and that would have ruined everything for him. And that could have destroyed him at the end. But because of I just stayed away from even the small things. If you make a commitment, stay with it. Because I promise you at the end it will be worth it. Well, like in general, Pastor Mike have done this lesson yeah, last year, maybe the year before that, where he did the thing about alcohol and drinking again. I mean, he mentioned it clearly that it's not a sin to have one or two drinks, but do it in your, on your own at your house. Don't go and pronounce it and put a photo of, on Facebook with a beer in your hand, stuff like that. So in itself, maybe one drink isn't a sin. But if I had done that, in a way I want to say it was a sin to that other brother. And we will see that now in First um, Corinthians chapter 8. If you would turn there, and I think you're already there, verse 7. And we're going to read, read up until verse 13. It says, How be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto, his, unto this hour eat as, as, a, as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which has knowledge set at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat, some, to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when ye sin so against the, against the brethren, and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make thy brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. And that, that just backs up the story that I've just told you, but it can be of anything in your life. I mean, I've, I think actually Pastor Mike has told this story as well, but there were one guy in a church, I don't know if it was actually in our church, but he doesn't smoke at all, what... 
But when he was driving, he played with a pen in his mouth or a pencil. And someone else saw it and they thought it was a, a cigarette. And because of that, that brother actually stumbled and it took a while for him to get back into church again because that brother, it, it looked like he was smoking. So that, that, is, that is a bit far-fetched, but still watch what you are doing because you can, in that way you can sin against the other brother that are weaker, that actually needs to come maybe to Christ or just, just, just got saved and has to start growing. So watch what you are doing. All these little small things can be bad. Now, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 3 if you want to. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Now I'm going to tell this story as anonymous as possible, but I've heard this and there was this one person, I'm not even going to mention the agenda, but there's this person that did something. <laughs> I'm going to say, try to not even, that you think maybe, I don't even maybe know this person. You won't know. But this person was actually really faithful in the church and <coughs> went on and was, I want to say, was seen as a high person in the church. But a few years back, this person did something, I want to say, this person cheated in something in the, on the university. But this person, I want to say, got away with it because this person got the degree and all those things. But in the church, this person was faithful. But you know how the notes get um, passed on to um, the younger students and maybe you've also passed on um, notes to other people for the first years and all those things. Now this is what happened with this person. This person passed on the notes. But in this note, you could see that this person has copied exactly the previous year that all the seniors work exactly, copied it perfectly. And that is, you can see that clearly. But this person, well, went on in church. But then this other person actually that got the notes was also in the church. And this person saw this. So now, what do you do with that? So this view of the other person is now bad about this faithful one in the church. You might think you get away with some of these things, but you don't. You might think, well, nobody saw me, so I can maybe just do this. It's not that bad. I mean, just one assignment or something. But it, it wasn't hidden anymore. It got revealed, and this can actually then also bring down a church. I mean, if this person is really faithful, standing up here, but someone in the crowd knows what this one doing, starts telling others, what will happen to that church? What will happen to everybody else? I mean, maybe it was a... Um, um, Bible-believing church, and this happened. And then what if all the people scatter and then go to, I don't know, what kind of churches? So you can destroy much good. So one sinner can destroy much good. And that is a big problem. So be careful what you do. And you think you might think, this is not this bad, this sin. Think again before you do it again. Now just Hebrews 3 verse 13, it says, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Now, I want to just to get to that is help each other. We should help each other to, if you know this person is doing a small sin or something, go approach him and exhort him because this one might actually destroy something much bigger if you go to this person and tell him, you know what, you might not want to do this anymore. You might for five minutes or ten minutes 
he will, I want to say in a way, discourage this person and maybe get him mad, or she. But afterwards, I promise you, if this person is really faithful, he will come to the knowledge and say, what, now that person actually saves me from a lot of other um, things that could have gone wrong. So exhort one another daily of this thing, and, well, in this year as well. Now, um, you all know First John chapter 1, verse 9, where he says, confess your sins and He's just to forgive it and all those things. Now, you might tell me now, now I know I do these sins, but I also confess it. Now, I want to tell you this morning, it's not good enough. And, I, and you'll see why. So we're going to read a little bit of Pharaoh, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 9. So just want to give you one example of to confess your sins is a good step to take, but it's not enough. So, Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. Verse 27. It says there, And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron, and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. So, what a good thing. Pharaoh said, you know what? I confess my sins. I am a sinner. I'm wicked. I, we confess it. Okay? Now let's roll your eyes down to verse 34. I mean, it's only a few verses later. And he says, And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So to confess it wasn't enough for him. He just continued again in it. Now you can turn to just the, maybe one page to the right, um, chapter 10. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. It says here again, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned, sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So again, he said there again, I confess, I promise you this is, this is now for real. Please forgive me. I have sinned, I, I, I admit it. And as you know, the story, as the story goes on, he didn't actually leave all his sin behind. He just went on again and he um, chased after the Israelites again and after Moses. So he still didn't um, forsake all his sin. So to confess it is not enough. And through that, you can turn to Proverbs 28 and I'll show you what you should do with your sins. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says there, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So you need to forsake it as well. I mean, there's a lot of things that I can tell you, and if I don't do something about it, it's not going to happen. I mean, I can, I can, you can say a lot of things, and I, I think we all know this. I mean, this is also one of the examples, this verse. You can hear a lot of things, and you can also say a lot of things. You can say, you know what, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. If you're not going to do it, it's not going to happen. So yes, it's good to confess your sins and humble yourself and say, God, I've messed up again, but we need to forsake it as well. Otherwise, you will just go back tomorrow again and again 
and again. Because I've, I've known my uncle, he was a long-time smoker, and every time he said, no, tomorrow I'm going to stop. And then tomorrow he just went back to smoking, and he said, you know what, in a month's time I'll stop. And he just kept on smoking, until, at, well, I want to say at the end, well, because it was, and eventually he gave it up, but the last three months while he was giving it up, he actually went to do something. He went to a rehab center and actually went there faithfully for three months in a row, and he stopped smoking now. And that's the same, I think, with a lot of our sins. We can confess it and we can say to one another and say, you know what, you know, I struggle with this. Great, but now do something about it. We need to forsake it and not just think it will just happen smoothly and now that I'm saved, everything will just happen smoothly. I'm just, just going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and then after a while my sins will fade away. It's not that easy. And we will look at that now that it's actually difficult to, if you want to be sinless, well, it's maybe not possible for us, but you can get really close to that. Because you can leave a lot of sins and addictions and all those things. You can leave that out. But you have to forsake it. And that, is one I, that is what I want to get across. We might think we have all these little small sins. And yes, I've, I'm doing First John um, 1 verse 9. I'm, doing, I'm confessing my sins. Great, God will forgive it. But you will still struggle with those sins if you're not going to do something about it. And that is, I think, with... In general, in life, if you don't do something about something, it won't get fixed or it won't be done. Nothing like that. I mean, the same with a building or if you want to build a building. We can draw all the drawings. We can do all the um, planning, everything. And we put the papers there. If you just look at it, it's going to stay on the paper. And the same with your sins. Yes, you can go home. You can write all your sins down. But it will stay there in your life if you're not going to do something about it. And this is, I want to, you don't have to turn there, but in Job. So I want to, I, I wanted to, if you look at all the Ten Commandments, under each one of them, actually the Ten Commandments grabs actually all of the sins that you can commit. If you go and have a study on the Ten Commandments, take the first one, you look what actually falls under every commandment. You'll see there's a lot of things. I mean, just an obvious one, um, thou shalt not kill. Well, if you just have hate in your heart, that is also the same. Well, Jesus explained that as well. If you just hate your brother, it's the same as murder. So just to go underneath every commandment, there's a lot of sins. But I wanted to list them out and actually read it to you. But then again, you will just hear it and maybe not do anything about it. So I want to, you can write this just down if you're making notes. Job chapter 13 verse 23. Well, this is kind of funny, but Job, so this is your job to go and do this, what what Job did. It says in Job 13.23, it says, How many are my iniquities and sins? This is Job asking for, for God. Make me to know my transgression and my sin. So what Job did is he went there and said, Now please show me all my sins. Now this is, this is why I said this is your job today. When you go home, go and go see what your sins are. Go see what are you struggling with. Maybe go to do the study on the Ten Commandments and go see what, um, what sins fall under each commandment. And go see what are you struggling with. And then go do something about it. Because if I'm just going to list out, you're going to sit here, oh yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, you confess, but are you going to do something about it? Because I've seen it, if you go do something yourself and go write it down and go study it out, I promise you'll do something about it, otherwise you will feel you've just wasted your time. But if you came here to church, you'll think, oh no, it's just something I've ticked off for the day, so I'm fine with the church. So if I've listed all the sins here, you might have think, oh, he's done the job for me, he's listed all my sins, great, I'm part of that. But if you go and do something about it this afternoon and go list them out and think, well, this year I'm going to 
fix this and this and this and this. Take one at a time. I'm not saying, okay, well, this afternoon, list all your sins, tomorrow forsake them all. It's not that easy, and we will look at that now. And we can actually, you can turn now there. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And in your other hand, you can actually get First Peter chapter 4. So how the flesh works, so Hebrews 11 and 1 Peter chapter 4. So how the flesh works is, if you don't feed it, it will get really hungry. And by feeding it, that is to sin. Because your flesh is always getting hungry and say, just come and do this, come and to fulfill, to fulfill the lust thereof. That is to just feed it with all these sins and then it is full. And we will see that now in Hebrews 11 verse 25. It's, it's, it's saying there, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I, wanna, I think we all know what that, that verse says because if you do a sin, it, always, it, only happen, uh, it only helps you to be happy for a short while. Then you will go back to it again. But to get the concept of that, in, that is because it's getting hungry again. The same with you. You can go this afternoon and have a really big lunch and think, well, this is great. I'm going to be full. Tonight, you'll be hungry again. And the same with the flesh. You will feed it now. It will get hungry again. It will get hungry again. And that is why I'm saying it will be difficult to forsake it. If you put that off, your flesh will get really hungry. And that is why I say it will be difficult. And in a way, this sufferer is also, if you don't do the sin, other people will persecute you. Why are you not running with us? And we'll actually turn to that verse now. But this sufferer, in this other sense, is also you get tempted a lot, but to say no the whole time, your flesh will really hate that and will get really hungry. And through that, you will also suffer on the sin. And that is why it will be really difficult to forsake this sin. But we should do that if you want to conform to the image of Christ. Now we can turn to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. It says there, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Now, that ceased from sin, that is where I get this idea of if you don't feed it, you will start suffering because it will get really hungry. But if you suffer, then it means you have ceased from sin. Because it will, you will suffer of this fleshly hunger of this flesh that just needs sin. So if you suffer from that, that means you have actually ceased from, sin, from sinning. That means you've put away the sin. And in that way, I want to also say that Jesus also suffered from, for, for, from this um, flesh that needs to, get fe- gets, needs to get fed all the time. Jesus forsake, uh, forsaken it every time. Imagine how hungry his flesh was at 33 and a half years old. I mean, we can't go, let's say, an hour without sinning because then we have to feed it because then he's hungry again. I mean, Jesus went 33 and a half years without sinning. Imagine how much suffering he went through. I mean, because some of us, our sin, we need to go back to it because otherwise we get this, um, the symptoms that we want to go back and we can't and you want to just do something else and want to break. Sometimes we get that frustrated with us if we don't sin. Imagine how Jesus was. Now, <coughs> this is kind of funny, but... To actually overcome sin, there are a few ways. So I'm just going to mention one because, again, I want you to go do something. 
and go study in the Bible how to overcome your sins. So I promise you there's a verse for everything to overcome. But just this once, because your flesh is hungry, you can just tell it. Man, um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That is how Jesus defeated the flesh. And you can do that as well. Tell him, I'm not going to live off that. I'm going to live off every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And that is to know the Bible, to know when sin comes, how to overcome it. So when you go in this year, try to avoid that. Try to get all those little sins out of the way as well. You might think you've taken a big step. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm in a church now. Some of my, I want to say because we call it, the big sins are out of my way. But still those small sins also need to get addressed. Like the story I tell you about this person that um, cheated on university. That was, well, it's, it's not actually, it's really bad to do that. But in a way you can see it as a small sin because actually no one knows about it. It's closed and hidden and only this person knows about it. But it still came up. And that can destroy something much bigger. So think again when you sin, it's another drop of blood. It's another drop of blood. Now you all know this. Um, um, I think many people have mentioned this, but in, every, in the middle of every sin is I, right? If we spell it out. If you spell it out, it is, obviously I'm going to write small letters and then in every sin is I. So that is the I it's talking about. But remember, if you can remember, well, just for this, I think we have a little bit of time left, yes. You can turn to Romans 8 again, the verse we started at. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 29. Romans 8, verse 29. We read this earlier. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. We're going to stop there. So, replace this, in this year, replace this I with a, I hope you are with me, with an O original design, with an O, and conform to the Son, to the image of the Son, to Jesus Christ. Oh, then I have to change this. <laughs> we can't let this happen. Because. Yeah, I think that's better. So, when you think again, replace that I with the O, with the original design, as we've seen earlier in Genesis 1 verse 26, where we were created after God's own image. So replace it with the O, with the original design, to be the image, to conform to the image of the Son. And through that, I want you to go through this year now and get all those little sins, get it out of the way. And now, hopefully, after this, now you know how to conform to the image of Christ. Just get rid of all the sin. Because then you will get much closer to how he was on this earth. Because I promise you, <coughs> even in my life, some of the sins I've really forsaken now and have out of the way, a lot of other things came much clearer. And I've, I want to say I've excelled in a lot of other things. To be better at this, to be better at this. And I didn't even work on that. Imagine, like I've said earlier, people think, well, love, I need to work on love. No, work on those sins like pride and all those, maybe all those things. And I promise you, love will come automatically. And because then you will think, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't care about myself anymore, like pride. I, I need to help this one. I love this brother. I want to help him. And through that, 
Well, this is just a small example. And but through that, you can actually get all the characteristics. Like, I think, oh, I wanna let, let me say for me it was like that, but maybe it's for you as that as well. We've, I focused on the wrong things. I want to say the wrong thing, but I've, I focused on the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, I want to I wanna be this nine. I, okay, now I'm going to work on loving kind. I'm going to work on this. But rather get all the sin out of the way, then the fruit of the Spirit will come automatically. Because then you will start bearing the fruit and like Jesus is, like you will be then the image of Christ. So when you go there, now I want to challenge you now, go this afternoon and go study. What are you struggling with? Even those small little sins. Maybe if you have a husband or wife, tell each other the small little sins that they can help you through it. Like we've read um, in Hebrews 13 where it says, exhort one another daily, today, while it is today. Don't go and do it tomorrow again. I think you've heard this many of times. Tomorrow never comes. We are not APSA. Today, what? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's yesterday, today, and forever. We, it's going to be forever, so tomorrow might be forever. So get rid of the sins and actually conform to the image of Christ, the Son. So replace that I with the O this year. Well, it's just fortunate for me that it's now in the beginning of the year, and this sermon, God wanted me to preach this sermon, so it helps me <laughs> a little bit. But go in this year and get rid of all these little sins. Because like of all these things I've mentioned, it can destroy a lot of things. But you have to do something about it. Not just confess it, but forsake it. Then you can get rid of the true problem. Because if it's just confessed, the root is still there. Get rid of that root and forsake it completely. Amen. Let's just have a word of prayer. <coughs> Father, thank you this morning for this lesson, Lord. You've, you've teached me a lot of things, Lord, and I've learned a lot of things. And help us now as we've learned these things to go and do something about it, Lord. And just as the title of this, the sermon is, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away, Lord. Help us to take sin up seriously, not just before we are saved, but now that after we are saved, to also take it up seriously and, and still address it as a real problem, Lord. But thank you that we have you now in our hearts to help us to overcome this sin, Lord, and help us to study the Bible more and to just help us to come, overcome all these temptations and all these small little sins in our life, Lord. Help us to address those things and get rid of them completely. We don't want to live in this sin anymore. We want to obey what the Bible says and we are dead to sin, Lord, and we are free from it. And We don't have to live longer in it, Lord. And Help us to make the decision every day, Lord, to take up that cross daily, Lord, and help us not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies, Lord, and help us not to feed it, Lord. May it go hungry and die. Well, then, please help us now as we're going to have fellowship, Lord, and get to catch up from the holidays, Lord, and then also want to pray for the sermon to come, Lord, that we be ready for that as well and learn something new as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.